meeting. <laughs> Leave. All right. Um, all right. How should we uh, start this? Introduce episode? ourselves. Yeah. Uh, we should start out by saying Los Los Nazarenos. I love it. Back at you. The worst podcast in Catholic media. The oh, worst yeah, podcast sure. with the best content. There you go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Not everybody will agree, but that's okay. We'll see, see how that's... If you key. don't agree, uh, well, yeah. we said this last season, unless you also went to seminary yeah. and, and or have a PhD, don't, yeah. add, <laughs> don't add us. <laughs> yeah don't add me bro what's that one meme you're not that guy yeah. <laughs> you're not that guy man <laughs> so we're if, should we should we be really stuck up and just remind everyone that we both have masters in theology <laughs> yeah I mean, we, we just did and yeah we do and we're super excited today uh some <laughs> i like i just brought it up casually but like you know they were talking about uh, the Franciscan charisms. I was like, first of all, <laughs> you're talking <laughs> to the right person. Let me tell you why. Okay, and bro. then I told them, yeah. Once I told them, they were just like, oh, I have to go do some other stuff. I'll be there. <laughs> just like, oh, oh, was, was this at your training today? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is the I school a like, Franciscan no. school? It's, uh, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. Is it at yeah. St. Francis? The, Parish? It's not no okay no no because no. that's no, out there it is uh yeah that's out in raleigh uh which is like maybe like 20 minutes from where i'm at uh okay. but this other place is is 20 minutes away but on the opposite direction uh, so but yeah it's so you're is it run by the ofms is the parish or school run by OFMs? no the parish no 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 the i'm sorry the parish is run by the ofms okay uh, the school isn't it's nice. that's by the diocese yeah so, so you're it's home. really cool. You're gonna be you're, you're at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. For sure, dude. There's no Franciscan parishes out. At least I don't. I'd probably have to drive like an hour to find one. Yeah. So sure. I just gotta stick with the good old <laughs> founded in 1854 German parish. So oh 1854. That's or, yeah. Wow. Something like that. Old. Yeah. That's or 1845, cool. something. It's very old. This one was established in 1909, so yeah. Ooh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing now. Cool. That's a lot. <laughs> Beautiful old buildings. Yeah, but it's hard because the like inside of it is like post-Vatican too. Like because the yeah. like the addition, like the front facade is still like this beautiful stone church. Uh-huh. And then, like, but then as it's been remodeled and expanded, it's just like boring, like white, white walls. And yeah, what's the cheapest material we can get? Decent stained glass. It's it's fine, but I feel like it could be way more like kind of like the missions, how they're like super dope on the inside and the outside. Yeah. Yeah, I will agree. I do. I will say that there's one parish that I went to, and it had like the stained glass, but it had like a cross. And <laughs> I was like, if people don't know that much about stained glass and the symbolism, or if they don't know a lot of like the story that's being told, mm-hmm. it could be taken the wrong way because it's got like a cross that's upside down, 
Oh. And so, yeah. <laughs> so, so that, and now that would be for Peter, right? <laughs> right. For Peter, exactly. Yeah. But I told Janet, I was like, oh my goodness, like, look at this. And she's like, oh no, like, should we leave? Maybe this isn't a Catholic. <laughs> I was like, no, no, it is. <laughs> I was like, but like, that's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, if you don't know, like, <laughs> yes, San Pedro. <laughs> yeah. San Pedro. Yeah, man. But yeah, like you were saying, you know, Vatican II you know a lot of things changed um and we saw a little bit of those effects out in colombia in medellin uh but um you know today's topic is about the encuentros and we're going to see how those you know those results from the second vatican as well as you know uh the conference of medellin really influenced the church here in the united states you know yeah kind of making our way back uh more local <laughs> You know, yes. local lack of Lo- <laughs> local <laughs> theology. Yeah, man, for sure. So, <laughs> That's good. I like that. Yeah, because we got so like one just kind of statistically the the church in the United States. Um, and we were talking about this before we started recording. Like, mm-hmm. if it hasn't already tipped over fifty percent, it's about to. So be over fifty yeah. percent like Hispanic, Latin American, or um, Mexican American, so so on and so forth. What would be a correct term for like just people of Latin American descent in the United States that's not like specific, like Mexican American? Well, I would probably say Latino. Okay. A lot of, uh, yeah. And you see that in a lot of literature, especially like a lot of literature that focuses on like that, that, specific 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 uh, community um, they use two words interchangeably which is like latino or uh hispano or hispanic okay. um, and 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 you know people get into like why hispanic isn't good because it doesn't incorporate like our caribbean brothers and sisters mm-hmm. um and then uh, and so you know they they use you know the term latino um, everybody's got a preference and of course like we've, we've mentioned this in the past yeah. people <laughs> like to be like recognized uh, regionally but um you know we'll see through these encuentros that you know though that's okay and like you know be happy from where you're from like you know being together being like a, a latino community being you know um being brought together is more the answer than mm-hmm. anything else cool but, well yeah what's uh so just kind of yeah this is how we think we could bring in the uh the influence of medellin and the Latin American theological and ecclesial context into mm-hmm. the U.S. context, and just what we can learn not only from like these um, encuentros or encounters. <laughs> Ooh, nice! Yeah, that was really good, dude. <laughs> Your Spanish what? is pro- progressively gets better. <laughs> My English gets worse. <laughs> but we. Uh, yeah, we can learn from it because in the end, it's like, I don't know, Vatican II called for like the church and the liturgy to be um, enculturated into mm-hmm. every culture around the world. Right. Um, and, and that doesn't mean like, it, it doesn't mean like changing doctrines according to like cultural right. standards. It means like, like, liturgy for example is going to look different in different communities and different countries 
And so being this kind of diverse nation of immigrants, like mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of different ways that Catholicism can look in the United States. Right. So, right. Um, and this is one of those ways. And if the trend keeps on going, this will be uh, as far as like population shift in the mm-hmm. U.S., this will be the predominant way in the future. So, right, right, which, which is which very I, a very lively way. It's not it's not a yeah. bad thing. No, I I would prefer like yeah. right, we we talked about it in I think our first season, yeah. where like the Holy Thursday experience. Like, we, oh yeah, for sure. We went to a predominantly white parish, and it was just very mm-hmm. quiet, reverent, mm-hmm. with the Blessed Sacrament, and then at the end of the night we went to two um latino parishes mm-hmm. and it was just like all these like prayers and readings really loud out loud yeah. lights blaring everyone's wearing red like yeah or like um the other one we went to where everyone was like they were all singing hymns in spanish and it wasn't even like hymns they felt more like lullabies and Mm-hmm. It was just like you could feel the love for God, and right? Can be, yeah. and not not that silent reverence isn't, but as far as right. my, I felt it. At least my preference, I felt it more when there is something liturgical yeah. also going on. Was it was it in Christmas when where like those hymns or lullabies were being sung? Because I'm, I'm thinking it's Las Posadas, uh, uh, what, which is like was, near uh, Christmas time. But, it was uh, Easter. It was. Holy Thursday. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah, no, still those events are pretty big. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, just uh, giving like some like context for this like Encuentro or just giving some idea of what, what it was, you know, um, it was it's pretty much an effort uh, on part of the Latino community to be heard uh, and taken seriously in the Catholic Church, right? Uh, specifically the Catholic Church in the United States uh, before these encuentros, you know, there there's five of them. We will briefly mention and touch upon uh, them, uh, but they um, there there wasn't really any uh, prevalent concern in the Catholic Church to really focus on the Latino identity within the church. I mean, other than like your 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 hubs like the uh, south the Southwest, uh, Miami, New York. Uh, throughout the rest of the nation, like the Latino community was present, but wasn't necessarily like looked after in a way that they might have like uh, been used to, like you were saying, Justin, mm-hmm. right? Like with those celebrations or uh, with uh, being able to do things that they were accustomed to doing. And so this was kind of like, um, you know, their way of getting more, more, uh, more of a presence uh, in both ends too, in, in the clerical and, and in the lay sense, you know, like mm-hmm. there weren't a lot of Spanish speaking um, bishops or, or priests in, in the area uh, other than those three main locations. So it was just kind of wanting to get individuals recognized and having them, you know, not necessarily just, um, show up and sit down right the second vatican council is that document that says that we should actively participate yeah. and that's not what the latino community felt like they were doing uh before these encuentros right. yeah, so i think we're gonna 
look closer at the very first one to kind of like give us some general overview of how they function and then mm-hmm. um since the like results of the fifth one came out recently maybe we'll look at the fourth one to just so we can see how it's yeah. going a little more recently right yeah yeah and so and you'll see that uh as we, we go through each one of these encuentros has like a, a predominant focus so like the first encuentro you it's you know it started you know it officially started in 1972 right but it it had its beginnings they date back to the 1960s right uh, like which is like the beginnings of the second vatican council it's uh, like it, it's running concurrent with like medellin and all of these different events really help um you know like chicano priests and chicano religious sisters come together in the united states to create organizations to help their communities so um you know they there was a very prominent group known as padres as well as las hermanas the, ba- the baseball team yeah exactly <laughs> yeah the, the san diego padres <laughs> they came together to help the chicano <laughs> priests <laughs> and hit home runs religious sisters hitting home runs <laughs> fernando tatis jr yeah <laughs> yes for every home run they they, they got a free burger king <laughs> <Whopper>. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it, or is it Jack in the Box? I, I don't think know it's Jack in the Box. Now. Yeah, it's Jack uh, in the Box. <laughs> uh, and so, um, you know, so uh, more groups started to come out of the woodworks once uh, these two were established. One of them that ends up being a very big organization is the Mexican American Cultural Center, also known as MAC. And uh, this is established by, I'd, I'd like to say, like one of my like favorite, like, contemporary like theologians Virgilio Lisondo, which is the guy that I used for like my thesis so like I have a huge bias toward like his <laughs> vision especially because he's known as like the father of like Latino liberation theology you know mm-hmm. so um so he's pretty cool and uh, all of these again all of these events are all preparing are all factors that prepare uh, that are preparing individuals for the first encuentro and again, originally, uh, there were three locations where it was set up. Um, we have New York, Miami, Washington, D.C., but um, collectively, they came together to to kind of like um, to work on uh, the the focus was pretty much like, how do we get more of a Latino presence in the church? So, like, that was the main focus of the first encuentro. So, the priests and, like, the religious, they knew that there was a lot to be done, but they they, they were also very realistic. Like, we can't fix everything in mm-hmm. one go. You know, it's, like, kind of like when you're, you know, you should you can give examples of this, right? Like, when you're, like, rebuilding a home or if you have, like, a home project, like, you can't fix everything. Like, yeah. you're going to mm-hmm. have to take it by parts. <laughs> So, uh, and so and if, that's, if that's, you go too yeah. fast, it comes out bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that was their, their whole thing was like our biggest, uh, thing, our biggest concern right now is, um, finding a way to have a stronger Latino like presence in the church through the clergy. Right. So having us like, like take us more seriously, promote more of these like uh, like a priest to be bishops or archbishops so that that way we can have a voice for our community 
know, um, and and that was kind of like what they ended up doing. So they their 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 documents, um, it's pretty extensive. But the two main things that came out of uh, the uh, first first encuentro uh, was that there has to be a greater participation of the Spanish speaking in leadership and in decision making roles within the 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 American church. So again, that was the first thing. Um, and the reason for this was that, you know, there was a disproportionate number of like non-Spanish speaking leaders in the American mm-hmm. church. Um, and then secondly, you know, there, uh, they yearn for education information. Um, sometimes a lot of these priests were like given like roles of priests, but were necessarily given tasks to kind of develop that leadership. Right. So it's like, cool, you just finished the seminary. We needed people. Uh, that uh, that we can just put, you know, but we're not really gonna like help you form, help guide you, just like with anything, right? Like there's there's formation. If you are like working in a position, there's like different like individuals that help you grow in that field, and that wasn't happening uh, for like uh, the Spanish speaking priests, and so uh, they wanted more education and more formation in order for them to. Um, help facilitate the integration of themselves into the Spanish-speaking community. They knew that they were out there, and they knew, again, these these Latino priests wanted to help their community, but um, sometimes they they didn't have, like, enough of the education information to reach out to them. You know, there was still that separation. And so, um, so those were the two, like, major factors from the first encuentro, which, again, I think were, like, are, are pretty big in and by themselves, you know? Mm. All right. Well, what was going on? So then they, they took a break for a few years and then they came back. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they did take a break, but it was actually just like literally just a few, few years. Yeah. Like I mean, uh, they were back at it again in, in 75 for the second. Encuentro. And so uh, they focused on wanting to, to create a, I mean, th- their focus here was unity and plurality, integral education and social change. That was like the main goal of the second encuentro. They saw the benefits of the first encuentro almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Once they started getting like new offices, they started getting like new committees, new, uh, they started seeing like, the church being like revitalized because the Latino population saw individuals up in the altar that they can like uh, associate with, right. That they understood first of all, and that were, you know, allowing for customs that they knew to be prominent within their parish. And so because of this, the second encuentro was kind of like green, greenlit uh, fairly quickly. Uh, and again, the focus here now becomes less of of a clerical thing and more like okay let's start helping our community Mm -hmm. right and so this is where we get the integral education the social the social change right and they said you know that their focus were these 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 topics but they 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 not only were they their priorities but they knew that they were going to have to emphasize leadership right and care for the young Mm -hmm. You, you brought it up earlier today um, or earlier in the podcast that like a good portion of the of the U.S. Catholic Church 
uh, is is predominantly like Latino. And out of that, out of that, um, I, I, the the numbers that we have here, these are a little bit dated. It could be higher than this, but um, there's thirty percent of that is all un, all individuals under the age of like thirty, you know. And so we're looking at a booming church, like an untapped potential within the Latino yeah. community. And so the second Encuentro saw that and, and they said, we have to create leadership for our youth and we have to take care of our youth because like they will replenish, you know, and, and be, be there to help. Yeah. And I, um, yeah. Oh, just kind of piggybacking off of the idea of like young people in the church. Um, mm-hmm. There's kind of like a, when you look at like what we get a lot of people obsess over like oh young people are leaving the church um right yeah and but when you look at like what keeps people in the church or like the young people who stay why do they stay mm-hmm. and you get like it's um having highly in, like having influential like family members in who are deeply devout and having mm-hmm. a robust personal prayer life. And those two things are, those are two of the factors. There are more, but at least those two things are very, at least from my uh, research, prominent mm-hmm. within Latino Catholicism. Because yeah, sure. everyone's abuela took them to church. <laughs> every Sunday my dude oh my goodness yes and and then like there's a I would say there's a bigger like commitment to devotions within the Latino church that like Mm. devotions rosary novenas all that stuff is very important Mm -hmm. which is a which is a really good um like gateway into a robust prayer life Right. And so when I like you, that you said that. Yeah. When you I look at it, it is key. Yeah. When So when you look at like those factors, if they're statistically like factors that keep people in the church and then the church is becoming more Latino and a big part of it is young Latinos. Like mm-hmm. we could be, like you say, a boom is coming in. I think there's actual yeah. like data to back that up. <laughs> right. Right. For sure. Um, this, this, this Encuentro, it, like, um, has a lot of more, like, robust, like, results from them. Um, it, it breaks it up into, like, different guides. I'm, I'm, uh, I think I'm just gonna, like, hit a couple of them. Well, I'll, I'll list them all out, but then we'll, re- we'll just dive in a little bit deeper on a couple of them, right? Um, so, like, the first outcome, uh, was evangelization. Uh, their second outcome was uh, ministries in the service of evangelization. We have evangelization and human rights, uh, evangelization and integral education. And then uh, we have evangelization and political responsibility and evangelization and unity in pluralism. Right. And so um, we'll, one of the really cool things here that um, maybe you heard our Medellin podcast is that you see how a lot of these uh, priests are being influenced by previous like gatherings, right? 
And so you hear in evangelization, like it says, evangelization is a call for everyone, but it's they 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 switch the way that they ask for help, right? The hierarchy here is reversed. The call isn't for the bishops to do stuff. Mm-hmm. In this case, the call is sent directly to the laity. What are you guys going to do <laughs> to be that change? You know, like yes, like there's there's more of you than there is of like these. But like I just come you know, here on Sunday. Pre- Right. <laughs> what I have to do things. Yeah. I just want right. to come get my Jesus crackers on Sunday and go home. <laughs> yes, exactly. Also, is this gluten free? <laughs> yeah. It's which, also which, like I'm done. Which picks okay. do I eat out of? Yeah, right. Exactly. No, that one, to go that one wasn't to the for you. I'm going to switch lanes because the priest is over here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Um, And so again, it's, it's, it's sent directly to the lady, right? It's our call to help evangelize. Um, One of the the things that we see here that again, uh, echoes that, that notion of uh, Medellin is integral education. Right, we remember hearing that podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bishops really focused on, like, in order for there to be true change, like, we need to be able to change the way that we think. And so, here, um, the uh, the people that gathered for the second encuentro, they defined integral education as it attends the total person, right? It's a goal to liberate the individual and it promotes creative pedagogy, right? And they take it a step further, which I really like, uh, you know, with both of our past being DREs and stuff like that. It's like, and it's not just in schools, like this needs to be applied in religious programs as well. They need to be multicultural. They have to be liberating. They have to respond to the community's religious and economic and cultural needs. And I was just like, yeah, for sure. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) I just... That's yeah. funny because that's like uh, I have a couple articles published online, and the first one mm-hmm. I put out was like about catechetical renewal. And it's like, like this is largely ignored by mm-hmm. parishes. Like you can't. It yeah. if you're, I don't know. It's such a. The whole system is defunct. It's like, it's not even like you, if you recognize that like your parish's DRE sucks mm-hmm. and like all the catechists suck, like you couldn't even go to your pastor and be like, hey, you need to like rework this out, like, or right. get new people in here. I mean, you right. could do that, but it's not probably nothing would happen. So it's like, yeah. It needs to be huge structural changes when it comes to yeah, it is edu- it is educating you know? the faith. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, because even like even because like let's say you have like really awesome, right? DRE and super awesome catechists, <laughs> like but then us. you have like super <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but then you have super like <laughs> like curriculum, you know? Yeah, and it's just like oh come on, you know? And it's just like like what do you do? You know? Yeah for sure uh and then the last thing that i want to focus on on the second encuentro is guide number six which is evangelization and unity and pluralism so you know the 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 bishops and the priests and the religious uh 
all understood that like we live in a place of pluralism there's a lot going on it's not just one right again you brought it up but we are, we are a nation of immigrants right and so there was a lot of notion and ideas and so it it it, it states that you know there 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 is a, a way to include yourself to the nation without losing yourself mm -hmm. right and i think like that was their biggest thing it's just like as members of a pluralistic society, the Latino community does affirm integration and wants to be a part of it, right? But I think it, it it gives it like the other side of the coin, but it opposes any form of assimilation, right? That destroys personal identity or impoverishes our people or does not permit a healthy exchange of values. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important. There has to be a healthy exchange of values, right? Like, it can't just be like, I'll oh, take, take, take. And then I'm going to give you what I want to give you. That's going to make you more like me and less yeah. than you. Yeah. So let's, uh, I don't know if this is hot button or not. Yeah. Cinco de Mayo. Oh man. <laughs> completely bastardized by white folk wanting to drink martini mar margaritas and margaritas and coronas and coronas. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> It's celebrating Mexican heritage by getting drunk. Like <laughs> you're not celebrating area. I don't even think the people of Puebla celebrate it as much as we do. <laughs> yeah, like it's just like I. It's and again, like it's it. It falls under like our ideas of like capitalism, right? Like we mm -hmm. want to like make money, and we know that that day is important for some reason, and it's been like drawn out to be this big thing instead of like celebrating in different ways like it's just like get drunk and eat tacos yeah which i mean i can do on the 6th of may yeah. <laughs> you know like, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i so, so i think yeah. like um even the idea of pluralism especially when it mm -hmm. comes to um the catholic church mm -hmm. is hard to grasp like what exactly do we mean by pluralism and it's right for sure i like, completely agree there because i think there's a tendency within at least u.s catholicism at, at least in like popular forms of u.s catholic media that is heavily based on apologetics and mm -hmm. sees anything that's not their narrow arbitrary understanding of the faith as relativism right right and yeah and exactly. relativism and pluralism are not the same thing like we were talking mm -hmm. earlier about like vatican ii called for enculturation of the liturgy and aspects right. of the faith like the fact that in africa the the procession at mass or in maybe not all of Africa, but in certain like areas, like the procession of mass is like an hour long with dancing that's like, mm -hmm. um, and music that's um, very important to the local culture. And then some people see that as like a bastardization or like, right. And th there are some things that take that too far and it's called syncretism. Um, but like Oof, with, plur nice. with, <laughs> with, with pluralism, it's like 
it's like there's these things that are on equal footing um and or like doing the same ultimately doing the same thing in slightly different ways Mm -hmm. um so it's important not to confuse like something that's pluralistic with something that's relativistic where it's just like everything it's not saying everything is the same Mm -hmm. but it's saying like things are different and equally good um Mm -hmm. that is a very very mundane way to say it. right yeah 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 for but sure ju- just because there's trumpets and mediocre right. mass doesn't right. doesn't make it a bastardization of the mass right <laughs> it's like oh this is a concert no, it's not a concert you know like it's just it's a way to celebrate so yeah that's a good it's a good point um and then, so that those are like the, the the top guides that I wanted, or like outcomes again that I wanted to look at uh, for the second encuentro. Um, that leads us into our third encuentro, which um, was formally introduced in '82. So this is more like uh, like seven years afterwards. Um, and again, just like the first encuentro, second encuentro was like very well accepted. Its documents were very well taken. Uh, change did happen. And so, uh, the second, uh, the third encuentro is, is, was, was declared more as, as an assessment of the, of the, uh, the previous two encuentros, like mm-hmm. how, how, like, how is it going? What changes have happened, right? Again, Medellin, it's always changing things, change, new problems arise. How can yeah. we like help? And so, uh, in this case, the encuentro consisted of, uh, the third encuentro, uh, focused on four points and it was training pastoral training of leaders uh continue evangelization uh bringing a commitment to the part of grassroots right and a focus on encuentros at a diocesan and regional level so you can see how even these topics form like an assessment right like how are the encuentros on a diocesan level how are they in a regional level uh, how are they uh, down with the parish community right and as well as uh, the training of leaders. So uh, overall, the, the encuentro, this particular encuentro is divided into multiple sections, um, historical context, inclusions, commitments, follow-up, a credo, theological, pastoral reflection, and a mystica. Um, out of all of that, we're only focusing on the commitments because these, these are like the findings, mm-hmm. right, of, of the encuentro. And so these findings uh, are the following, like the first one is evangelization. The second one is integral education. The third one is social justice. We get youth on, in this one. And then we also, we conclude with leadership formation within the Latino community. Um, here, again, they, they, um, they, call, uh, they call out the church, which I think they like, they're <laughs> just like, we, we, and, uh, we mentioned it a little bit earlier today, uh, but it's like, hey, dude, like the Latino community felt that the members of the church were being insensitive in a way that they uh, they they lack identity, unity, and like religious responsibility. Mm. And it was just like this: these are the things that 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 you're lacking. And again, because they went and they assessed at a grassroots level, this is what the parishioners were feeling, you know. Mm. Um, they felt that the church is, 
yeah so that i mean yeah those those were the like those were the, the three components of the church that they were like we should look into seeing how we can fix this right how can it be more welcoming um, yeah, secondly oh go ahead. oh yeah and, and that's like if if you still think that uh the priests and bishops are like royalty in the church they're right. not like that is right. not their like theological function mm-hmm. like the a priest is there to serve you mm-hmm. like that is the job that's the role of a priest is to be like this a servant leader within the community not a like not like a uh, what's the not like nobility in your community like right if and priests are human beings so like we can't always expect them to bend over backwards and do everything Mm -hmm. ever like that's that's not appropriate either but like if you're at a parish where the priest like has too much clerical swag Mm -hmm. like you should probably find a new parish. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, um, I would for sure agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So like they're there to serve us. They're there to provide us with the, like to preside and lead us in the mass, um, to be educators, to be pastors. Like the, the image, educators. Yeah, yes. the image of a priest is like, the the shepherd image the the mm. one the one who goes after the lost sheep like goes out of their way leaves the 99 behind to go and tend to the one lost person like true that that's a pastor <laughs> that uh, yes yes so, that. yes yeah. so this idea of like demanding more of our clergy like mm-hmm. it's it's okay <laughs> it is okay uh, and, it, and 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 it talks about that. I think it. I want. Did I pass it? I want to say it's in this one. Um, maybe it's in the next one. No, I think it was. Yeah. So, and, and that's exactly that's exactly it. So, like here, it's it's in this one. It's in this evangelization one where it's like they their their focus was like, how can we use the laity to help it like take away these like like administrative roles Mm -hmm. and and not in a negative way i feel like when you say take away it's like oh you're taking away the power of the priest no it's just like their their focus is to tend like you said right to be a shepherd so it's like if you can use the laity to help with these like administrative components you know then you know they'll they'll have that time to go and tend and help I have a radical belief. <laughs> I think I, I think that I don't think priests should run parishes. Like I whole, agree wholeheartedly. They should not, they should not be administrators of parishes. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they could have like veto power at a parish if like, but yeah. like a parish should be run by a layperson or maybe a priest who has experience in running things like priests are not priests are trained like to do liturgy, to administer sacraments, to like, like most priests, like they have 
they take a bunch of philosophy courses. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to balance the budget. Like, right. Like it's like they took like an administrative elective once in undergrad. In yeah, yeah. School. And I, I remember on Twitter, I like, I put because I think usually a lot of the times like seminaries require priests to get their like bachelors in philosophy, and mm-hmm. I like I put on. I think I replied to a tweet somewhere. It's like priests should have a double major in psychology and business because mm-hmm. they're what they're going to do after seminary is run a small business and right. counsel people. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. everything they're doing outside of the, of the liturgical and sacramental stuff is business and counseling. Mm-hmm. And, and then someone replies like, what? So we should have, more more of a money attitude in a parish is like homie like you ain't never worked at a parish so you don't realize that like someone who's never balanced a checkbook is in charge of the parish budget like right right and or and hr and like all this stuff like no, like let's let's yeah, Kathy, who's like a retiree, who's still yeah. waiting for it. And like I, yeah, so like I think priests, their function at the parish should be liturgical, sacramental, mm-hmm. like spiritual yeah. counseling, like all the stuff that like is part of like the religious aspect, right? But money comes in, like hr stuff like hiring Mm. all this stuff like that shouldn't be the responsibility of the priest like parishes should be run by lay people like at least the like the non-religious aspects of parishes Mm -hmm. right um it i i I agree 100 (laughs) with you yeah i'm off my soapbox now (laughs) what about that fourth (laughs) encuentro Uh, so, uh, the fourth encuentro is a super cool encuentro because it is an encuentro that focuses on, on the, um, the experience of culture and race that make up the Catholic church in the United States. So here, like it uses its understanding of like mestizo, right? A, a mixing of two cultures and like, here's the byproduct and it Mm -hmm. understands that the United States is just like that, a mestizo a mixing of so many cultures, yet it is like a nation of its own. And so what it does is that it kind of takes a step back from it being focused primarily on the Latino community. And it uh, it looks out toward, um, you know, the many faces of God's house. And it looks for unity in diversity. And so that's that's the fourth fourth encuentro. Uh, We have uh, participants from different, you know, backgrounds, Argentinians, Filipinos, Koreans, mm. Vietnamese, Chinese, Asians, Africans, uh, Native Americans, uh, Pacific Islanders, all of these with like 88 bishops attend uh, the fourth encuentro. So if you're looking for the fourth encuentro, you should probably look at, look, look at, uh, search it under uh, the encuentro 2000 because it's not, it's not written out as the fourth encuentro. If you research like, <laughs> IV Encuentro or like the fourth Encuentro, nothing's going to show up. They're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, just in case you want to, you want to do that. Uh, and again, the focus, 
Um, the biggest outcome here is is it, it, in less than like providing solutions. This is more a gathering of like individuals. And like the big message that got pushed out is that um, there's a lot of like segregation and like racism mm-hmm. in the world and we have to figure it out, you know, yeah. and the church should be a big voice behind it. It's pretty much like, what, what you know, the big message here, you know, um, people, even if you have like your regular parish life and worship life, like it, 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 it asks its participants to, re- to soberly reflect on that. And like, what does that look like? Do you go to a predominant, like, do you just go to a Spanish mass or do you just go to an English mass? Do you, do you make an effort to go to like a church maybe? that isn't necessarily like on the quote unquote right side of town, you know? Mm -hmm. And so even though like our faith calls us to be inclusive uh, and, you know, it gives, it gives an example here. It's like schools and workplaces environment uh, by reason of civil rights mandate diversity in their areas, right? Like you have to be, but like at times like the church is like, well, if you go to the 10 o'clock church, this is like the old people church and like, or, or like the, the old people mass and like, this is it, you know, it's like, it says like, you really think about that because we, those become like norms to us. And we just sometimes just believe, oh, like, this is just how things are. And, you know, just, just call it a day. And so it, I think that was like a really cool thing uh, of being one for us to kind of take that step back and like really just encompass like everyone. And then I wonder that how. Puts, oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. No, no, yeah. I just wonder how, like, in the U, I mean, I'm sure both things are in operation, like a deliberate segregation and like a, um, of like, this is. A, a a deliberately racist segregation of like this mm-hmm. is the white mass or like this is a mm-hmm. white church yeah and like a maybe less intentional one of like wanting to be with those of your within your own culture right like um yeah i mean i, I don't think it's an easy answer of like what would the integration look like Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, and, and I think, and it's, in it, it's, in it's outcomes, it states it. It's like, we, we don't know what the answer mm-hmm. is. So we just do know that when we come together, like it, it's a lot better, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, there was like, uh, between the fourth and then the fifth encuentro, there was this like mini encuentro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it was for, it was for the youth pretty much. It was like a youth retreat. Uh, for the Spanish-speaking community, and it just kind of allowed uh, the church to listen to Latino youth. And you know, some of the outcomes here were like uh, focused conversations on like youth and wanting to take on like leadership levels on like a parish level, a diocesan level, and like an archdiocese level. Like it's we we brought this up last. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it will be our last one, but it's like if you're telling us where the church let us be in the church let mm-hmm. us make that change you know and so you know that was that was pretty much the big let us work the computers <laughs> right exactly <laughs> yeah. 
don't just call me over when your mouse doesn't work <laughs> because Carl put a, a post-it note underneath your mouse. <laughs> um, and for the fifth encuentro, the fifth encuentro again, kind of like, um, is, is, uh, is kind of like what the third encuentro was. It was just kind of like an assessment of how the encuentros are doing, how they're being implemented on a, uh, throughout the nation. Um, and just finding new strategies that are more appropriate uh, to help the community in our present times. You know, we know that things change. And again, just wanting to see how we can better serve the, the Latino community. And so what's really cool about this fifth encuentro is that it was, it's a fairly recent encuentro. It, it, it just, it, it started uh, a few years ago. Actually, we, we were still, well, I, I mean, the, preliminary planning began in 2014 but its conclusions and everything were finally published in 2019 and um this was like the first encuentro that was like fully like it fully happened in our like our digital time so mm -hmm. like if you research this one encuentro there's a lot of stuff on there <laughs> you know so it's got its own website which the rest don't uh, you can find all of like the conclusions and findings available digitally um, on the fifth encuentro website and like it it you know it has all the homilies that you know that happened it has the speech that Pope Francis gave during the encuentro mm. and uh, again what's really cool about this encuentro is that it really looks into um, you know topics that are were, are really prevalent and that not that they weren't prevalent back in the day but like you know because of like administration and all that there you know there was something that they were looking into such as like immigration family ministry, vocations, uh, e uh, ecclesial movements, uh, being ecumenical, uh, global solidarity, like higher education, you know, so it's like the human development. So it's it's a really cool read and it's available for you free, which I can't say about the other encuentros. <laughs> I tried buying um, the, the, uh, the results of all the other encuentros. For the first three, it's not too bad. Uh, there aren't any specifically from the uh, the Unity one, and then the youth the youth results. If you want to buy those, those are like eighty bucks, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> whatever, dude. Nope. <laughs> no, thank you. So, my uh, question, yeah, like as as a uh, as a Mexican American, Latino American, yeah. Do you see the impact of the encuentros in where do you see like the positive impact and maybe where's more work need to be done? Yeah, so for sure. Uh, I remember as I was doing like my research for the thesis and stuff that like I was like, I couldn't like in like I was just like, there's no way that this is how like things were, you know, and it was just like, but then like I, I, I reflected on like, my upbringing of my Catholic faith. And I was like, Oh no, that, that, that did happen. So like one of the things when I was reading that kind of like blew me away was like, there weren't places for the Latino community to like worship or like they, they were just like, there aren't any there. We don't have any time slots available for you. Mm -hmm. Our nine o'clock is full or 10 o'clock is full or one o'clock is full and our five o'clock is full. Like, um, and so I don't know how this particular parish did it, but, um, they had a one o'clock, but we had to be like 
in the basement of the church. And so, yeah, uh, hi, just hide the for, brown people. Yeah, for me, it was totally <laughs> normal. Like it was just like, yeah, like, but, <laughs> you know, and then like I and that was in California, you know. And so then when I was doing my research, I read like this similar experience. But it was like out like in the Midwest. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. I was like, well, it doesn't make sense. You know, like it's not okay. Like just make more slots. You know, there's a lot of hours in the day. (laughs) I'm sure you can find a Hispanic or a Latino priest to come from somewhere else and do it for you. (laughs) Right. And so, uh, again, like going back to your question, I, I, I have seen like the negative part of that like in in the in the catholic church here in the united states right but i also have seen how the encuentros have helped out um and i see it because like you know i'm like on like the east coast in a predominantly like caucasian place and there's spanish there's every parish that i've looked at has a spanish mass like and I've and I've like gone to like maybe like seven different parishes for like different events, um, and yeah, they all have a Spanish mass, you know, and they have Spanish priests and they have a Spanish ministry, and I think like the encuentros, like I can't imagine like all the hard work that they had to go through, mm-hmm. but I see like the fruit of their labor, like it is very much alive. I think they've done a great job. And like, um, you know, like giving the Latino community a presence. And I think it, I think it's encouraged other communities as well to go out and like do the same thing, you know, because it's like, it's, it's more than just Latinos that are like, that were marginalized or like shunned away, you know? Um, and so I, I think that they're like it's it, it was it was a it's a wonderful movement and i like that they assess themselves as well mm-hmm. you know like it's just like it's not just like well like we did it and <laughs> we like, did it we figured it out yeah <laughs> like it's like the, the it's like the end of an episode of dora you know <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know no it's like yeah cool we did it but like let's check if this actually worked because if it didn't let's throw it out and find something better yeah you know so yeah awesome Cool. Well, I think that's uh, any any other words to say about the encuentro, or or is that a wrap? That's a wrap. Right. <laughs> what what the like encuentro wrap? wrap. <laughs> <laughs> Rippity wrap. Cool. Well, um, I hope you've enjoyed this um, this part of our focus on uh, Latin American theology and ecclesiology. We're gonna do one more. And it's, we're going to take a look at um, the Amazon Synod. So Mm -hmm. we're, I guess we went like really big, like two parts on Medellin. We'll have our like, and then we drilled down on like a couple people who embodied that. We've drilled down into like the context in the United States. Mm -hmm. We're going to drill down again and probably one of the most recent and prominent things that focuses on Latin America is the Amazon Synod. And so we'll be looking at Pope Francis's post-synodal apostolic exhortation, Quedria Amazonia, or the beloved Amazon. So, Man, your Latin is 
fresh CD. Nice. <laughs> Your Hebrew was phenomenal. Oh too, yeah, so I, I probably was like saying it awful, but it probably I don't have the in the I don't have any of that down. But uh, you'll get it. I got that Yahweh. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, make sure to give us a terrible review. Um, yes, horrible or, review. Or a good one if you think we're that bad. You can give us a good review. Yeah. <laughs> Stick us, it to us. <laughs> give us five stars and be like, this is the worst garbage on the internet. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, but yeah, so rate and review the podcast if you can. And then um, you can follow us and check us out on um, social media. And that's. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook is all at Nazarenos for life. And for life. We'll catch you next time. And I guess that's a uh, Los Nazarenos out. Out. <laughs>